As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday. I'm Ari Wasserman. From Dallas, Texas, joined by David Ubbin, who is in New Orleans. And I was texting him earlier in the week. It's kind of funny. New Orleans is probably the weirdest food city in the nation. It's a very uh, in terms normal of being food able city. To get bizarre <laughs> food if that's what you're seeking out. So I asked Dave uh, if he was going to be doing anything weird down there to open the floodgates. And I don't know if what have we eaten so far? I've done the spicy chicken sandwich at Blue Oak Barbecue, which our colleague uh, Brody Miller turned me on to. A top five sandwich I've eaten in my life. I'm trying to pace myself a little bit. Uh, we'll have some team. We'll have like a team dinner later this week. We got a bunch of people down here. Uh, and then I did. Uh, I went to Felix's and just had some some shrimp. Started things off right yesterday. So we're we're in a good spot. Uh, I mean, you're I having normal things. PC I thought maybe plans. you would have eating like some fried Sasquatch or something. I'm not sure if that. No, and I and I I feel bad. I've tried hard to like oysters and I just don't. I'm sorry to any oyster either. people. Yeah. And oysters and sushi just don't they don't do it for me and I'm sorry. Those are two things that I wish I liked. I have tried to like and I just don't like them. Sorry. This show is going to start to feel like regular season show because we have a lot of games that people care a lot about. Yes sir. Um, and we're just going to pick them and all the lines that we will present to you in this show as we pick them and discuss them are brought to you by BetMGM. So we appreciate that sponsorship. And of course, uh, for all you gamblers out there, strongly encourage you to go to check that out. Uh, but I got to say, just Ari, go, before we start, yeah. I, I feel like it's, I love bowl season, but I forget until bowl season starts how much I love bowl season every single year. Yeah, because we're at the time, we're at the time of week where it's wall to wall bowls. You know, as we're recording this, I have not seen the edible Pop-Tarts mascot, but that is certainly very high on my list of things to see today. We've had a DJ on a bad boy mower that has disappeared at some point. We've had some decent football, some not great football, some rainy football. It's just you get a lot of weird stuff in the bowl week, and the the Mm -hmm. games are always interesting. They're always pretty interesting matchups. There's no Big Ten West against Big Ten West teams, which uh, are a real problem, I feel like, in our country, and uh, I'm glad we we don't have to watch that anymore. But the bowl season (laughs) has been fantastic. At any time, you know, I'm in central time. We had a bowl game start at 10 a.m. today. 
that was incredible. Uh, and the games are not going to be over until like 11 p.m. Uh, basically, every day is a college football Saturday. And shout out to bowl season. So shout out. Yeah, to you've you've I'm been excited. really banging the there aren't enough bowls. Yeah, because there's not enough drums. bowls. Well, make people think there's too many, but you games. think there's not enough. Yes. Listen, I think the bowl games have figured out whether it's the Mayo Bowl and the Mayo Dump, the giant inflatable mask or the edible mascot. I think bowls have figured out that people like the absurdity. These things don't have to all be, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl built around a sunset and tradition. These things can oh, be fun. Oh, here we go again. They can be fun and stupid. And like the bowls are really a chance to embrace what a lot of people love about college football, which is just the whole thing is great and stupid and makes no sense and is very fun. And also there's some really great athletes playing. And uh, despite all the things, the opt outs, the, uh, you know, all the things that have, have sort of taken away from bowl season, it's still interesting football in a lot of cases and a lot of unpredictable games. I've enjoyed it. So with that said, my favorite part of bowl season is seeing new players uh, who yeah. might be catapulted into uh, discussion points. And, and we can talk a little bit about one player um, named Miller Moss maybe f- later on in the show as we get into some of the other bowl games. Why don't we jump into the games that are important for other reasons besides whether or not you can eat the mascot. It's the playoff time. I mean, it's time to get down to the nitty gritty to discuss the best teams in college football and whether or not they can win a national championship. Okay, let's start off in the Rose Bowl, though, because yes. it's your favorite bowl. It's the most beautiful-looking bowl. It's the <laughs> epitome of what makes college football great in every possible way, and it's certainly underrated. Um, the matchup here is Michigan, uh, 13-0, and Big Ten champs, uh, laying a point and a half against Alabama, number four, um, 12-1, and but had a miraculous turnaround after a rough start to the season. And, you know, there's a lot of compelling discussion points here um, as it pertains to the game. But first, on Thursday, there was a little bit of a, you know, weird comment made by Isaiah Bond that's kind of taking the internet by storm, which is that Alabama is apparently been told by the coaching staff to not watch film on their tablets. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason that he gave for that is because apparently the Alabama coaches have said that Michigan has been taking signs and they don't want to do anything or reveal anything on film through whatever the film app is called that Michigan can garner from that. Now, I think that sounds a little paranoia to me, but wait, it, wait, 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 college football coaches, paranoia. Yes. Surely um, you feels, just, sorry. I will say that I once visited a recruiting coordinator in his office at an sec school. And he told me that they like have checked their office for wiretaps. So like, if you want to talk about like paranoia and I was like, Listen, searching guys, the walls for bugs. I know this. I, it means more down here, but it's not that. I promise you that your rival SEC school didn't bug the college football office. I'm having but, trouble um, connecting the the dots for. So is the idea that if players had an iPad in their room, that I I, I don't really understand exactly what the I think fear that if you, is that exactly. there is a hosting client or a software that is universally used. So it's um, a hacking thing, which is a hacking, about. a hacking thing. And this there was a thing, so stupid. there was a thing where Michigan had a coach who was arrested and fired or one or the yes. other for computer crimes, which has still been yes. left pretty vague. And yeah. there were message board rumors and stuff that have never been substantiated that Michigan was watching Ohio state practice film on said app. 
And um, that hasn't necessarily ever been proven. And I don't really think I believe that. No. Um, but, but this is why how people that, how are. That, how that's prevented by players watching film in groups on iPads and not. My understanding I, I is understand. that they use a, a separate software if you watch it as a group. Whereas the software uh, is like logged in specifically under your team login name and that that film might be more accessible through. I don't know. I'm just saying it's it, the, the thing that I think you need to take away from this, Dave, isn't necessarily the application of how the hacking would occur and more that the comment was made publicly and apparently yeah. said to by the team, by the coaching staff. And Tommy um, Reese didn't deny it. He just said, I'm not going to talk about it. But like, would you, you But this time of year, you wouldn't be watching a lot of practice film of yourself. I. I this just doesn't hold up to me logistically. Like, I have a pretty good knowledge of how these operations work, and I don't really understand what the fear is necessarily. It doesn't make sense. I think it's more the way I took it is that there wasn't actually paranoia or legit concern that they were going to be sign stealing. I think that it was more of an antagonistic tactic to discuss this publicly like you know what you're doing as a player or a coach if you bring eh. this up I, I i think that it i wasn't is, there so i don't know what the question i don't know how it came up like I, yeah i mean but context. there's multiple there's multiple quotes that isaiah bond um had out there about it and one was the application of whether or not they should watch it and you know, the sign stealing situation, which is, you know, they still have to play us and it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I mean, um, what Michigan did and this bowl stuff, like if this was a real worry, then no bowl team should ever watch film individually at a bowl. So I, I, again, well, I, here, here's the quote, sense. Dave. Let me just read it to you guys. So you can you he said the app where we record film off of practice and stuff like that. And they were, I guess, like looking at other people's play calls, their hand signals the first eight games or something like that, Bond said. I don't um, I watch tape all over the building. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm going to be prepared for the game. Uh, it was what Jalen Milrow added. Um, and Tommy Reese says, I don't think we've put any harm to what our preparation can look like with any of the things we've done. Again, we're focused on us, less about that stuff and more about what we can do to play well. This is so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it is something that people are talking about. Yeah. But I do think that there is a key jumping off point here, which is. Um, if you bought into Michigan having unfair advantages throughout the year, um, does that take an impact on this game? But even that, let's just talk about the football game. Like, That's, do you think let's. that Michigan can win this game? Well, sure, can, yes. I think it's interesting. It seems like Alabama's taken all the money in the last, all you of know, it. pretty much. I mean, I, I think it's in the 80s, right? 70s, 80s, something along those lines. And this line has not moved in a meaningful way. So I think it's a it's a two prong question here, right? Michigan has been dominant all season long. Alabama has not. Alabama has more talent, but Alabama has looked very very flawed. But for me, you know, I, I look at this Michigan team. I look at the schedule. I don't. I would. I've. I've. It's been well chronicled on this podcast. I am not in love with Ohio State, so. Beating Ohio State doesn't really impress me all that much. And Alabama, we're still talking about the most talented team, a team that's figured itself out in a lot of ways. I think this will be a low-scoring game. So, sure, Michigan can win this game. But Nick Saban, with a month to prepare, with a much more talented roster, 
I, I, I like the tide in this game. And I, it wouldn't shock me if Michigan won this game and, and Vegas is correct and, and all that stuff. But I, I just, I've watched a lot of these two teams and, and I, Michigan's been dominant, but I don't think they faced a challenge like this on the lines of scrimmage, um, at quarterback. I wouldn't say at receiver. I think Milrow is probably the best quarterback they've played all year. And that's, I mean, not the highest bar in the world. Milrow is a good player. We, we can touch on Bill O'Brien's, uh, Jalen yeah, we will take, <laughs> but I, I think it's, I, I just, I, I've liked Alabama in this game since this game was announced, but that seems to be the very, the very public take, but I, I that's just, the thing that I'm struggling with in this game is, is here's is, what I'm struggling with. I think that picking Alabama is very easy. Okay. Yes. And everybody's doing it and everybody thinks that Michigan's quarterback is overrated and, that Michigan has been dominant against bad teams all year. Here, look right here. Chris Callahan, J.D. is the most <laughs> overrated in college football. That Michigan's dominance has been more of a product of a weak schedule, more so than a dominant test. Um, that well, that's, they a that's a Rorschach test. All that that's- stuff. And the line is one and a half as Michigan a favorite. Everybody's betting on Alabama. The, the line isn't moving. And let me tell you, as somebody who has gambled my entire life, basically, that rarely do you see a game that everybody thinks is obvious. You bet a bunch of money on it and then it's just easy. So like Mm -hmm. I can't, I, and it's just an easy win. Like I just don't think that this game is going to go that way. And like we had to submit picks. Um, The entire staff did the playoff picks for a a content piece and I picked Michigan to win. And that sounds Mm -hmm. crazy, but I can't give you a single identifiable reason why I think Michigan's going to win, but I think they're going to because I have this weird gut feeling telling me that we don't know what we think we know Um, because all of the signs, Nick Saban with a month to prepare, Jalen Milrow finding himself, the team total talent, um, the average player on Alabama's roster being a top 75 player, like all of that stuff, the line play, it all points towards Alabama. Like I don't know Mm -hmm. like if you're a Michigan analyst, what you even stand on if you pick them to win. Like, what are they saying is the reason. And I think the only thing that I can come up with is that they are far more experienced and have executed their football at a more high level consistently this year than Alabama, which has gone like this. So if the thought process is that Alabama is going to falter because Michigan knows exactly who it is and how it needs to execute its plays and can do that steadfastly, I think I could buy that. But I just don't know if I think that experience is a replacement for pure talent on this type of stage. I've said for the last 10 years of my career that I don't think that teams that recruit in the 10 to 20 range are built to win three or four games like this in a row. They've already beaten Ohio State. Credit to them. Um, But I think this is a completely different animal. And I truly think in my heart or in my head that Alabama should win this game quite comfortably. But in my gut, there's just something telling me there that we're not we're missing a part of this puzzle here. And I don't really know what it is or how it manifests. It could manifest in in Jalen Milrow throwing some more picks than we anticipate or bad penalties or, you know, grab ass games all the time that we watch and go, hey, look at all the things. Like, I mean, if you watch the Buffalo Bills play the Sandy or the L.A. Chargers um, the other night, it's like muff punt penalty turnover, all the things that, you know, you would never expect could happen. And then all of a sudden, one of the best teams in the NFL is you know, a field goal away from losing at the end. So I think that's kind of the way the game is going to go. I think Michigan's going to play hard. I think that they're going to be more um, 
discipline in the way that they execute. And I think that that consistency is going to level the playing field a little bit. But I do think that Alabama is a better football team with a better coach and better players. So it's like, I don't know. Well, maybe that's the wrong way to say it, Dave. I think Michigan's a better football team, but Alabama has a better coach and better players. Is that fair? So I have I have two thoughts for you on this, Ari. So one, what I'm hearing is that stars don't matter, which has been your consistent take over the last 10, 15 years of covering this sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so stars don't matter. And Ari, when you pick Michigan, is there any concern that Michigan will care about this game at all because they've already won the only game that matters on their schedule? Mm-hmm. And this... This does this doesn't really matter. They've already won the only championship that matters in Michigan. So uh, is well, there their entire program is completely game? and utterly different in every facet of the realm that we analyze their program because of those games. They haven't won a playoff game yet, and the way that we talk about and analyze Michigan is completely different as a result of what? Yeah, I know. I mean, like unless you think that like winning a national championship would certainly change that, but the tenor of Michigan's football program has been completely done. What is that? What have they done besides beat Ohio State the last three years? Well, in the Big Ten. I know, but that is winning the Big Ten. That's what that means. Sure, but you have to uh, actually do it. You know, I, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, downplaying the importance of winning that game is funny to me because <laughs> it's the thing they couldn't do, and it got them over the hump in the second most powerful conference in the sport. Yeah. Um, whether or I mean, not they I, can win a playoff game is a completely different scenario. It's indoors. Um, and I know that I say that a lot, but I think it does make a difference when you're playing with super fast, talented players. There's yeah. no elements. It's not cold. Everybody's the track is fast. Like that stuff matters. Like playing indoors, um, you know, beating those teams that are playing at a high level in those environments. Um, I don't know that if I watch the SEC championship game, I think that Michigan beats either of those teams. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Are you a are you a Notre Dame USC two thousand five truther? I personally am. I don't know what that means. Long grass at Notre Dame Stadium. Oh, in oh the, that yeah, year, the yeah, Bush sorry, push game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally am. I think when I was that covering that was Ohio State, thing. there was multiple like Northwestern apparently used to like water the grass down and like yeah. the grass. Like I mean, if you don't run as fast, I never. The thing yeah. I never understood about that theory though was is that doesn't it make Northwestern's players also slower? Well, like, but it would it would it would negate the difference slightly. I think that's real. I think that's real. Maybe I'm wearing I think, a tinfoil hat right now, but I think that's I real. think it's a here's a tinfoil hat. Um I think that it's harder for teams with less talent to beat teams with a lot of talent on an indoor field. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's I, I don't even know if that is that a fact. I that's it's a fact in my head. I don't know if it's a fact in real life. I um, I think it's right. Well, I think Dad, Dado would 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 suss out whether that's a specious fact or a legitimate fact, but it I it tracks Well, here's a legitimate fact. No team built like Alabama has lost a playoff game in the entire CFP era to another team that wasn't built like Alabama. Yeah. So, this would be the first time in the entire playoff era where a team that is outside of the top 7 in the 247 sport composite, I think, be, well, maybe one of the Clemson teams did it. But yeah. we, as we know, the Clemson teams transcendent were QB. transcendent now, I think, QBs now here, with a lot of draft question, picks. Because but, if, if, um, if Michigan does win this game, it offers up the question of, okay, so the one way that you make up that gap, transcendent quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. but Cam Newton, but is, he didn't have to play in the playoff. Yeah, but is if Michigan wins, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had for Okay, well, how do we measure talent and development? Because we already have to I have that conversation. They've already made it too far to to have that. No, to not I don't think it. we do. I don't think we do yet. I want to see Michigan go up against the big bad, the so called final boss, the Group A final boss. Yeah, Ohio State. You can call them Group A. This was not a great Ohio State team. You know, this is not a this is not a team that that was that impressive for me. All well, the thing that scares me about the data point here <laughs> is that this isn't a great Alabama team either. It's like Alabama is really that, good, that's, but it's that's not kind like, of the point, though. It's not yeah. like Michigan's like a an un, like an unbeatable. But if they beat this Bama team and do it convincingly, it's interesting because Michigan may not be as high in the talent composite. But when the NFL draft is done in you know April or May or whatever, I think Michigan might have the most players drafted in the country. So like, it's how do you want to measure talent? Well, here's what the does thing. recruiting versus NFL guys. If you stacked up this Michigan team against like the Trevor Lawrence, Alabamas and the Ohio States with Justin Fields and all those like big time, like super teams at the apex, the 2019 yeah. LSU team. Like, I don't think that this team could could keep up with any of those teams. I think that I would we're agree a, with that. I think that we're in a scenario right now where they caught Ohio State. um Not the last two years, but like they haven't been peak versions of themselves. Um and now they're getting an Alabama team that's not a peak version of itself. Um, yes. And then if they have to play Texas, that's another team that has more talent than them. That like if they beat Ohio State, Alabama, and Texas, and then win the national championship, they will have yeah. definitively done what I thought was physically impossible. Yeah. So we like regardless of whether or not we think that these teams um, are as good as those 2017 through 19 or even the 20 Alabama team. Like I don't think this Alabama team could could hold its skates against those teams either. So. Um, you know, All the, right, here, think, here's a, here's a question. Here's a question for you on this Michigan team. How many quarterbacks in college football, if you replaced Kyle McCord with them, beat Michigan in Ann Arbor this I year? I don't know. You're putting me in a position where they're going to clip this and put it on a Michigan message board, and I don't like it. <laughs> like if I, I answer that, that question, number, I'm going to sound think like a that homer. Number that number in my mind is ten to fifteen. If Brady Cook is playing for Ohio State instead of Kyle McCord, does Ohio State? I don't know, man. I'm not going to go down that road. I don't know. I'm. I'm I think the transcendent players. Sure. I mean, I don't know. Like, but Ohio State didn't need a transcendent quarterback. They needed a quarterback that could get the ball to the incredible weapons that they have. And quite frankly, they didn't have that. Yeah. The question is, if Will Howard was Ohio State's quarterback, would they have won? Yes. Yeah. They would have. Ten to fifteen guys. My question is. Is Michigan going to be exposed as somewhat of a paper tiger? I don't think so. It's but possible. If Michigan, yeah. if Michigan loses this game by 17 points, are you going to clutch your pearls and faint, Ari? Because I'm not. 
No, no, no. I actually think that like my analysis of the game would lead to that, but I think I'm going to be wrong. I kind of think it's. I think the entire too. country is going to be wrong. I think we're all being set up here. Maybe it's possible. I, I, like, this is a fat. This is a fascinating game. I mean, this is this is kind of what we're talking about, Ari. Where I'm still kind of like frustrated with the Florida State thing, but these games are awesome and they're interesting and going to be entertaining. It didn't help that Louisville just got its ass kicked by USC. <laughs> yeah, the that, too, yeah, but, that did um, not help them. But I, I, I'm fascinated by this game. So I, I yeah. think Alabama wins. You think Michigan wins, but it's sort of a self-contrarian take. Do you know what's kind of funny? <clears throat> that like we were talking about how this is an out- indoor game and it's actually outdoors the whole time. Well, I thought we were talking about that as a thought exercise. It is a thought exercise. And the Rose Bowl uh, is is outdoors. I wanted to just the make Rose sure. Bowl, respectfully, though, is the closest thing to an indoor field it outside. Um, it's going to be 70 degrees, 65 degrees, whatever. And the turf is going to be perfect. The turf will be and, perfectly manicured, and people will get their, you know, their stupid sunset or whatever. <laughs> can you stop shitting on the sunset, dude? Like, it's beautiful. <laughs> it is. You've never covered one, have you? I haven't. But here's the thing. This I've is, seen a lot is, of sunsets. There's a lot. Listen, so you're going to tell me that if you go you're to... Not, you just Wa- don't get it because you haven't experienced it, dude. So if you go to the Hawaii Bowl and you go walk on Waikiki Beach and you've got... You know what it is? Diamond head behind you and you you look down the beach. You get it. (laughs) There's beautiful sunsets in the the tropics. Yes, there is. You know what it is? And you have been living in a place that gets very cold um, in like because it's been such a, you know, Midwestern oasis. Mm -hmm. It's going to a place that is 70 or 72 degrees when you leave a snowstorm and going to this place that is perfect weather every year. And then the essence and the feeling of being at a football game combined with that like if you go to hawaii of course you're going to see a beautiful sunset but it's the vibe and the atmosphere of the game that is combined with something so pretty and the ambiance that that creates at a football game that makes it such a breathtaking experience it's you can not also necess- watch UTEP football, and they have a stadium with mountains behind it. With the except these too. games, like tend to have mattered <laughs> a lot to the people that are are either there watching it or the teams participating in it. We're going to talk like, about you, the Sun Bowl. In I don't want like, to have to explain game. to you like the importance of the Rose Bowl, especially historically. <laughs> I get it. All I've um, said is just chill out, people. That's my only point. <laughs> and the logo is beautiful too, which we don't. It talk is a about great enough. logo. Yeah, I will say this game produced my favorite, maybe my favorite helmet of all time, the TCU helmet with the frog. With the rose in its mouth. Yeah, the I used, used to Utah's use that done a really helmet. good job too with the yeah. UU with the yeah. Anybody yeah. well, dude, like the Michigan jerseys from the nineties where they had the roses on the shoulder pads yeah, were so that beautiful. Was awesome. that like was it's awesome. all it's all pretty. I don't need to explain to you why it's important. But I do <laughs> I think get it. I just the one think thing I, need to we have to just circle bit. back on before we go to the next game, because we're getting kind of long here, is mm-hmm. Jalen Milrow's discussion. And I don't know if we have the audio here, but Jalen Milrow basically uh, said, um, we do have the sound, I think. Let, let's play yes. the sound of what Jalen Milrow said. All my life, even when I was in college, shoot, my own offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, told me I shouldn't play quarterback. So, you know, there's a lot of things I can, you know, have motivation on, and that is something I have motivation from. What was your reaction to Bill O'Brien telling you that you shouldn't play quarterback? Do you remember how you felt when he said that? How would you feel if I told you you suck? I wouldn't like it. Okay, then, so that's, that's exactly how I felt, you know what I'm saying? So, like, Biggest thing for me, be true to myself and, you know, be, stay the same. You know, nothing changed about me. Only thing that changed me about is it was I had the opportunity and I seized it. And so uh, for me, you know, the biggest thing was just uh, stay true to myself 
and uh, you know, add a bigger purpose to anyone's opinion. Is there a position he wanted you to play or said you should be this position or that position, or he just? I mean, he, he, I mean, he told me a bunch of bits that I could have switched to, but look where I'm at right now. So, you know what I'm saying, so who gets the last laugh? I tell you what, it's one thing to say, you know, people have doubted my ability to play quarterback, but to attribute it to the person that is, but like coaching to name it, yeah. check, name check, Bill O'Brien. I mean, I'm I, I'm very interested to see. Uh, he's with the Patriots now, correct? I believe so. Yes. I don't know how often Patriots assistants talk, but I'm very curious to see the next time he talks uh, the response to that. I mean, listen, Jalen Milrow does not have the prettiest throwing motion. He's not a pure passer, but we've seen this year that certainly he's good enough as a passer and you can win some ball games with him. And a position move seems crazy, but you know what the, you know what the thing is, Dave, and this is the fact. In order to be a high-level player for a college football team, you do not need to be a top-five pick at the position. Yeah, sure. And I think that we have, with all the draft coverage and all the success that some of the quarterbacks recently have had um, in the NFL, that we have conflated being an effective and dangerous college football weapon with your viability as an NFL draft prospect. Like, I don't view Jalen Milrow as a player... And I'm not even saying this disrespectfully. I just don't think he's going to be a top 10 pick eventually. Yeah. I think uh, that's at the true. position. So, but that doesn't mean he can't be a lethal player at the college level. Some yeah. of the best quarterbacks I've covered in my career couldn't play quarterback, couldn't sniff quarterback in the, in the league. I mean, Braxton Miller, in my opinion, is probably the best quarterback I've ever covered. And he would never play quarterback in the league. But if you have this great ability to run, and you also can throw well enough in the college level. And maybe this has changed a little bit since Braxton was playing because offenses have become more complex and routes and checks and the the RPO and all these things when it comes to you know decision-making have advanced where you need to be more than just an athlete. Um, but I don't think that that matters. Like, I think Jalen Milrow is a great player, especially in college. I think he could find a spot in the NFL and um, – you know, that is it. So I don't think you need to be Dan Marino back there in the college level to be lethal. And mm-hmm. what I think I'll, the thing that I found most interesting about that comment before we switch to the next game here, Dave, um, is that there seemed to be some sort of an identity crisis at Alabama to a certain extent at the beginning of the year where it seemed like they Fair. were almost grappling with that question of is he a quarterback or are we going to play him at quarterback? Like the benching of him in the fourth game of the year was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why, you know, they were in a game where they could have lost without him and he didn't start that game. It was almost like we had to get Tyler Buckner out of our system before we could just go back to who he is. <laughs> but the second that Alabama harnessed who Jalen Milrow is and started playing offense through him while also letting him be who he is, is the second this team became very good. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, the name checking thing is interesting. I think that it would be. I mean, it'd be like your editor telling you that you suck at writing. Like that's a that's a hard thing to to overcome. And he had to you know have an offensive coordinator change in order to achieve that. And he's done a remarkable job. So, like in my opinion, talk the shit, enjoy yourself. You earned it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like here's the here's a question for you, Michigan fans, and uh, anybody else who's listening. Who would you pick at the quarterback position in this game if you had to take one? JJ McCarthy's a top fifteen pick, right? Isn't that what people think? Well, people thinking in reality are 
Two well, I mean, he's on mock drafts in the top half of the first round all over the place. Like, it's not like a sure, one weirdo thinks that. Like, I think that I like he's legitimately a draft prospect that's going to be potentially Let me, in let that me introduce range. you to Matt Barkley, Ari. Uh, no, I know, but I'm saying, like, if I you know. had to take one quarterback right in this game to win the game, who are you taking? Like, quarterback matchups have been a college football playoff storyline since the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, who has a better quarterback in this game? Michigan seeming lack of trust. I like McCarthy on paper. I think McCarthy's the Who guy. has a better quarterback? Well, Michigan's lack of trust in McCarthy is super alarming to me. Whereas I, Milrose had to do a ton for Alabama this year. So I think McCarthy's the better overall player. But Milrow is used perhaps more effectively and I think is certainly more dangerous. But I trust McCarthy a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, um, my prediction, since we're doing it, is that Michigan will cover the spread one and a half and win the game. I don't know how. I, I think Bama wins out. Right? Um, I, I'm my head says that, but my gut's telling me there's something, something bigger here that I'm missing, and I can't wait to see who's right on that. All so, right, I'm okay. gonna laugh when when stars matter. <laughs> I mean, at least I'll be right if my world comes crumbling down and no Group yeah, A team wins it. But um, that's true. You know, I I do think that. This will be a very good game. Uh, the over-under is 44 and a half, which means it could be a pretty closely contested football game. I don't think there's any 52 to 31s on there, uh, no. you know, out there for this. Uh, Michigan's defense is very good. Um, they've done a good job of developing their players and growing within those players. The, the players that are on their team, though, don't they pale, pale in comparison in terms of the recruiting ranking to what Alabama brings. Um, but as we said on Stars Matter, it's kind of like, you know, what are you taking, experience or freaks? And I think that it's going to be, yeah. if I were covering the game, my my column would be experience or freaks, colon, you know, who you taking. Like, that's, to me, yeah. the, the whole story of it. And um, we'll get, I'm so excited to watch the game. I haven't been this I excited really am to too. watch I, I'm, I'm hyped for both of these games. They're, they're and this game, is this game before or after the one you're at? It is before. This is the. That's always the best. Son, when you you got to get your sunset in, Ari. When you cover, when you cover a game. A playoff game that's first, it stinks because you miss. Yeah, you the miss the first one. half of the second. So if one, you yeah. watch the if you watch the first one, then you can watch the second one. It's it's always yep. a nice feeling. So okay, yep. let's go. As we said, uh, Dave is in New Orleans uh, for the Sugar Bowl. We have an it's interesting Nolans, matchup. Actually, Ari Nolans. Mm-hmm. I got to work on on Texas accents first before I can start moving <laughs> into Louisiana. Cut me some slack here. Um, Washington, Texas. Big time game, four point spread. Texas is laying the four. They're favored. Um, you're there. You've been gathering information. You're writing about it. You've been thinking about yeah. it. What's your What's your gut check on this? This is a really interesting. the The tone in this game, Ari, is a little bit similar to Michigan TCU last year in that Washington is hearing the same things that they're that 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 uh, that that TCU heard a lot. Who's last saying year. this? I think there's a perception out there. They are underdogs in the game, despite being undefeated. The idea that the Joe Moore award-winning Washington offensive line is about to get pushed around by Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. I think today, uh, Tavondre Sweat was asked about Washington's offensive line. He said, hey, you know, it's just another offensive line. We'll see what happens. And I, I, Washington, uh, uh, I forgot. As Troy, I forgot their other offense, the offensive lineman's last name. You can you can look it up, but uh, he basically said, "I'm tired of people talking about West Coast football. It's soft. You know, we're going to prove this." So, as much as this game, 
you know, the track meet narrative of this game, I kind of do think it will be decided in the trenches because if Washington can consistently run the ball and protect Michael Penix, who's only been sacked 10 times this year, Washington's winning this game. They are. Because they're going to be able to outscore Texas. If they are struggling to protect Penix and Dylan Johnson can't get any room, Texas might win this by double digits. So I think we're going to know pretty quickly how this game plays out. I think Texas wins it. I think they win it close. <clears throat> but we've been doubting Washington all year. Um, you know, I think we were both on the, okay, Oregon lost, but Oregon's still the better team and they're going to prove mm-hmm. it train. And that didn't happen. And people thought that Washington was going to get pushed around by Oregon. I thought it. I think you thought it. I thought they were going to have to struggle to, to win that battle, and they didn't. And so as much as Washington's looked shaky this year, when they have had to play games where they needed to rise to the occasion, they have done it. And this game could go either way. I think both of these teams could win this game by double digits, and that is the most interesting games to me, where both of these teams are walking in here you know, with like some real weaponry, some real like ability to hammer the other team. And I can't wait to watch this football game. Yeah, so this is what's interesting to me about this game. And I and I love that you brought up the trenches. In the other game, it's kind of like experience versus freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, in this game, it's skill versus skill and line versus line. Um, yeah. And I think that Texas's offensive line is pretty tremendous as well. And when you say if Texas can't stop Washington uh, or can't penetrate that offensive line or stop the run, they're going to lose by double digits. It's like I look at that and it's like, are we even sure that Washington can stop Texas from moving the football at all? Like, uh, you know, I the thing that I am a little bit excited about more than anything is really finding out just how good Washington is, you know, because I – like you said, thought that Washington was going to lose to Oregon and Vegas. And then when I went to Vegas, I was like, holy crap, they are so good. And then you peel back the curtain a little bit and you see that their offensive line is not no transfer starting in their offensive line. Uh, It wins the the Joe Moore award. Um, It's all developmental guys that have built a solid protection scheme. And you match that with Michael Penix Jr. And Jalen Polk and the wonderful group of receivers that Washington has. Mm-hmm. And it's almost unstoppable, especially considering the fact that Dylan Johnson's a very good running back. I don't think that well, he's Barry Sanders. You, you mentioned that you mentioned the Texas like Romo Dunze. Like I mean, they've got everything on offense. Like I don't know. Like Texas's defense has been really good all year, but I think Washington is scoring on whoever they play this year, Group A or not. Um, Unless it's my, Arizona State. My question is whether or not. Washington is equipped defensively to stop Texas from scoring every time. Well, but why do you ball. think that? Is it just because of the athletes that Texas has on the offensive line? Because I, I think Oregon is a better offense. The statistics bear that out. And Oregon struggled in Vegas to move the ball consistently, to get you know explosive what? plays. Can I be honest? Mm-hmm. It was the USC game. I can't get it out of my head. Okay. That's fair. I just can't get it out of my head. And maybe the answer to that question is, they're playing against the best player in college football. USC, if it can do anything, is passed really well. But like they were involved in a game this year where whoever it seemed like whoever had the ball last was going to win. And Texas hasn't played a football game like that. Yeah, so Washington's even though, had some weird games this year. Texas has not really played like a super weird game where you're just like, you got to, you know, and, maybe and, and, TCU, and, but I think they just fell asleep. You know, it would be unfair 
to completely ignore the fact that Texas lost to Oklahoma in a game where its defense gave up 34 points and they couldn't get yeah. a stop at the end. So you have to mention that. But there and is Washington's this no- offense is much better than Oklahoma's. I just don't know like whose skill position players you take here. Like, do you take Xavier Worthy, uh, Jordan Whittington, and JT Sanders, uh, or do you take Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Dylan Johnson? Like that, it, it is going to be a wonderful display of elite level skill position yeah. talent. And whoever wins this game is going to play a team that doesn't have that which I think gives them a unique chance in the national championship game in Houston to maybe do something that we're not. Cause I think that like there's this general assumption that whoever wins the Alabama, Texas games or Alabama, Michigan game is going to win the national title. And I think that that is, I don't don't know. I kind of feel like that. I think that like that is a really, really slippery slope to be playing. So um, I feel like I have doubted Washington from the beginning of the year and I've been wrong all year um (laughs) and my gut and my thought is that texas will win this football game but i think you have to give washington the advantage at the quarterback position even though i think Quinn yours has played some very good football in big time high leverage moments definitely um i think that the offensive lines are probably a wash um you know I, i really like the tackles on texas's team um but one team won the best offensive line award and one didn't so i think you have to give washington the 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 nod at the offensive line position. I think the skill position players are a wash and running back. I think goes to Washington because unfortunately oh, yeah, Texas lost no Brooks lost their best offensive weapon or one of their most consistent offensive weapons in Jonathan Brooks at the end of the year in the TCU game. So from offensive standpoint, you, you go to Washington as probably having a slight advantage. Um, but then defense like Texas's defensive line has been nasty. Unbelievable. And I feel like if there's a difference maker, or difference makers who are going to decide this football game defensively, that Texas has the clear advantage in that regard. Yeah. So to me, I think both teams could win this game by double digits, but I also think that I am leaning toward Texas knowing full well that I have doubted and been wrong about Washington all year and frankly left Vegas blown away by what I saw. I think the only thing is Texas's strengths are those tackles, right? And if Washington can't run the ball in this game, I think they could still win. I think they can absolutely still win. This is a pass-first offense, and Mm -hmm. even if Texas just rushes four, they have the talent to still put points up on the board, to still move the ball. You need to have some clean pockets. We'll see how much Texas tries to light up uh, Penix. I think they'll be able to get some pressure on four. But they don't – you know, they they have guys that are going to plug things up. But, you know, I, I'm not sure. And that Washington they have has been pass successfully rush. passing in the face of people expecting pass all year. That's true. So, you know, I'm I. I'm leaning Texas minus four here, but don't have much confidence in that. And all in I'm fact, with you. I, can, I think we're in the same place. Yeah, I have. I have a ticket for Texas to win the national title at 20 to one from the beginning of the year. And if you have any advice, uh, tweet at me or email me on like how to hedge out of this thing, because I'm a little bit nervous <laughs> about that. Washington money line is very spicy there. But we'll yeah, see. should we I mean, move on to the rest plus of the money to get out there? So let's yeah, let's do that. OK, do you want to take 30 seconds to discuss Miller Moss and what USC did yeah. and what that might mean for USC before we go he into because that happened on Wednesday the entire night. season? Yeah. Did he did he change your viewpoint on what USC has in its quarterback room and um what it needs or needs to do in the portal? Or do you think that's just a bowl game? I th- I felt like USC. 
they're, they may not have a special talent at quarterback, but did anybody think coming into next year that whatever happened, that USC was going to not have a quarterback that could move the ball? I think they're going to be fine, whether it's Will Howard, whether it's Miller Moss. That's not the issue. USC and however the 2024 season plays out will be defined entirely by what does DeAnton Lynn do? How quickly can you shape it up? And I liked what I saw from the defense. They tackled really well in that game. Uh, and Louisville is a pretty tough football team. Um, I I loved what I saw in the open field tackling. Is that turning the page overnight? I don't know. But I, I don't. I liked what I saw from Miller Moss. I wasn't really surprised by any of it. I, I think with well, you for those who didn't watch the the Holiday Bowl, let me just say six um, touchdown passes. USC beat Louisville, uh, a team that played in the ACC championship game, forty two to twenty eight. Um, Miller Moss completed 23 of 33 throws for 372 yards and six touchdowns. I believe he threw five in the first half, um, and they won the game. So with Malachi Nelson transferring out, who was supposed to be the de facto replacement for um, Caleb Williams as a five-star signee out of Southern California, there's a lot of questions there at USC. And Miller Moss has been a guy that you know was a highly rated recruit who clearly has a lot of talent but has – seemingly been lost in the shuffle a little bit there, who still stuck around in spite of the portal opportunities, finally got his shot in a bowl game after Caleb Williams reasonably opted out and played his ass off and played well and yep. produced and set a holiday bowl record for most touchdown passes in a game. And it kind of is interesting because it reshapes your, the like the one thing that bowl games do is it can reshape the discourse going into an offseason. And if you go into the offseason knowing he's your guy, does that change the way that you view USC's program as they attempt to fix the defense? And whether or not this offense can carry that defense during a transitional period. Well, I think I think there's one thing worth addressing here, which is you know we we kind of talked about on the last show you know the idea of rooting for laundry and players linked to their university. And Lincoln Riley didn't commit to Miller Moss after the game. Obviously, shouldn't have. Nobody expected him to. But he did mention that there's there is value in having a guy that maybe is the face of your program, be a guy that truly loves your program. Like Missouri is dealing with some of this a little bit right now too. Brady Cook, all he ever wanted to do was be the quarterback at Missouri. Miller Moss, all he ever wanted to do was be the quarterback at USC. I think there's <clears throat> there's value in that in the portal era. <laughs> it's a nice transition to the Cotton Bowl. You good? Are you even huffing cigs down there? No, I... I, I you know you're in I'm New Orleans. You've been smoking Newports, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, so I messed up the time zone, so I didn't get my full show prep, which usually involves some sort of water, and also, oh, you have a pre-show ritual. No, I just get my, I like to get my ducks in a row, you know, pee first, so I don't have to get up in the middle of the show, all that okay. stuff. And we were kind of hurrying, and then uh, I got some kind of something. I've been coughing a little bit, kind of coughing up stuff in the morning. I'm, I'm been huffing schneef down there. No, none of that. You know what goes on. Uh, it's a pretty crazy city at night, and I know you've been partying. Dave texted you know, me at three thirty one in the morning this morning about football. And yeah, I didn't that's know me. What yeah. was going on? Um, I kind of feel bad. Well, well, we won't, we won't, we won't go there anyway. Well, let's move well, on. No, to you the have cotton. to now. Let's, let's, we're live, bud. We we got to go there now. Let's move on to the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Mizzou. I, I called you yesterday seriously because I'm covering the Cotton Bowl. Um, I went to the final press conference before the game, which is on Friday um, in AT&T Stadium, and I am believe I'm writing about Mizzou after the game. 
And I don't think I've ever covered an Ohio State football game and written about the opponent before. So I needed you to teach me uh, what you could teach me about Mizzou. So I have an understanding of the way that the fans are viewing this game, uh, yeah. what this means to the program bill, what this means to Eli Drinkwitz. And, um, you know, these two teams arrived here in very different fashion. You know, Mizzou had a breakout season. They played Georgia very tough. They showed that they could play on the same field with any, everybody in the SEC. They are on the upswing of the build process, and this seems to be the payoff for, for the growth there. And Ohio State uh, lost to Michigan for the third straight year, and everybody in Columbus wants to light themselves on fire. And this game, though uh, meaningless, could reveal what they're doing at quarterback, too. Like, what is your viewpoint of this game, and does it feel like I – and mean, Ohio State's had a lot of opt-ins. The only yeah. people who have opted out, and I don't think it's been announced yet, but I would be shocked if Marvin Harrison plays. He hasn't They're been being practicing. weird about the Marvin Harrison Yeah, thing. they asked like, Ryan Day. I was there on Thursday it's annoying. about it. And they're like, who's opting out? Who's opting in? He's like, we're not going to answer that. And he said, you know, these players have put in a lot of, you know, time and effort into the program, and I don't want to be the one that announces their decisions for them or whatever. Yeah, he's not playing. Like, he's not going to play, I don't think. So, um but Mizzou, the idea that Mizzou cares more is interesting because I think Ohio yeah. State fans might be checked out to some degree because of the devastation of losing that Michigan game. But on the other hand, the players on the team have opted in um, to try to right the ship and end the season on a high note. So I'm having a, a hard time gauging the give a shit meter for Ohio State. But I think that I mean, Mizzou's think is probably can... pretty high, right? Mizzou is extremely. I mean, I think this is a real thing in bowl season, right? And and we have some pretty good examples the last couple of days. We have. Rutgers playing a pseudo home game right now, beating Miami in Yankee Stadium. Earlier today, we have Boston College also playing a pseudo home game against an SMU team that, quite frankly, got sh- like shafted from getting to a New Year's Six game. Um, and SMU did not look very good in that game. Uh, lost as a double-digit favorite. So it's not so much who wants to be there more that you should look for. It's Is there a team that, like is not going to go through a the same vigorous prep that you would for a normal game, right? And for Mizzou, you know, they're going to want to win this game. And I don't say this to take anything away from Missouri, but, like, I just don't see it from Ohio State. Like, people can say all they want, but, like, you know, at the end of the day, are you going to watch another 90 minutes of film or are you going to go, like, play Xbox in the team hospitality room, you know, for another 90 minutes? Like... I think that's what we're talking about here. And I have a hard time buying into the idea that Ohio State and everyone on Ohio State's roster is going to prepare for this game in the same way that they would prepare for, like, say, Michigan game, also known as the national championship of the Big Ten. So, like, I I think Missouri wins this game, and I think that they should be proud of that. They win as an underdog here. But, uh, you know, Ohio State didn't dream of finishing the season in the Cotton Bowl. If you told Missouri they're going to finish the season in the Cotton Bowl, I think they would have thrown a parade, and I think that that matters. So you think they're coming into this game feeling this is a big-time statement program win? Like this can define I mean, I think, something. I think getting there is a bigger deal. That Like if you win it, it doesn't take away – or if you lose it, it doesn't take away from anything that you do. But Ohio State, regardless of whatever the team takes the field on Saturday or whatever day this game – I don't know. My, my day is the it's Friday. Up, whatever. Whatever team takes the field or whatever effort we see on the field, they're still wearing the Ohio State logo. They're still a team that is perennially uh, in the playoff, national championship hunt. 
that, as I have reminded you on this show many times, Ari, was a field goal away from winning the national championship last year. So all that stuff is true. And so Missouri is going to plant their flag if they win this game. Uh, And it's a big deal. uh, But I think Missouri is going to prepare for this game better than Ohio State is. And and I think they're going to win this ballgame. And they have the better quarterback. The uh, Well, we have to talk 30 seconds about that. Ohio State's quarterback from the season, Kyle McCord, as we mentioned earlier on the show, has transferred to Syracuse and will not be playing this game. The person who was battling with him supposedly neck and neck throughout the preseason, Devin Brown, uh, will be starting this game. And it almost feels like kind of a pseudo tryout for him as Ohio State now has gotten involved in the uh, potential sweepstakes to get Walker Howard for next year. Um, and whether or not he can like prove that he's the guy to build around, I think is interesting. There's a lot of positive talk about Devin Brown and how he rallies the team, his personality. People seem to be excited to play with him and for him. Um, so we never really got a chance to watch him play all that much. I think he played like 80 snaps this year or something. Wasn't a ton of, you know, you know, a few drives here and there, a lot of which came in blowouts and, um, it'll be cool to see him play for four straight quarters and do a little bit yeah. of a roll call of what Ohio State ha- has in its room going into the off season and potentially into the the portal season that's still going on. So that is a Does interesting Walker thing. Does Howard have watch. his degree, or are we gonna have to play the stupid waiver game this off season if he goes in the? Uh, Will Howard? Quit calling okay, him Walker. You confused Howard. me. I was like, I hadn't heard that one. Did I, I say like, okay. Walker? <laughs> you said Walker, and I was like, interesting. I hadn't heard that. I was like, okay. okay, because there's a there's a recruit named Walker White that I might be getting confused with. Will Howard. <laughs> um, and if well, I said Walker, Walker I apologize. A very real person and a very good quarterback at uh, Ole Miss. Maybe that's why I'm confused. Will Howard is the player that Ohio State is supposedly in the mix for or going to try to be in the mix for. So um, we'll see how it goes. But the quarterback thing at Ohio State, much like it was at USC, is very interesting. And funny enough, USC, people have just thought Will Howard is just going to go there. And it might turn out to be the case still. But both of these teams are trying to take, again, roll call of what they have at the quarterback position. Okay, let's go to um, the Peach Bowl briefly. Um, apparently that's all you can eat Chick-fil-A for the media there. Uh, Audrey Snyder, our Penn State beat writer, has been sending us um, a bunch of pictures of grab-and-go Chick-fil-A sandwiches. Um, <laughs> Penn State, 10-2, and two, uh, is laying four and a half points against Ole Miss. Um, and both Andy Kolonecki and Tom Allen have been involved in bowl prep um, for Penn State okay. before going out in, in, okay. in helping. So you already have your mind made up because you're obsessed with that hire. Um, and we will see. No, it's uh, just like, it's just like, I mean, you know, I, I he I drew up the whole offense. Game. What are you talking about? Yeah. Listen, this is going to be a good litmus test for like, not just my sort of take of wondering about how good these big 10 defenses really are. Ole Miss got some athletes. Jackson Dart, he's not a world beater, but he's a really good quarterback. And then Quinshawn Judkins. Is there a, I, there's probably not a, there's not a better back than him in the Big Ten. I feel certain about that. I'm thinking about it. You know, maybe Blake Corum, but like he doesn't really got the touches this, this year. And Blake Corum is not nearly as explosive as Judkins is. Um, and Judkins' balance is really good. I like Ole Miss in this ball game. I'm just not a huge believer in Penn State's ability to beat big time teams. Uh, Ole Miss. If Ole Miss played Ohio State, I mean, that's that's a toss-up, isn't it? I mean, I would guess so, yeah. 
okay. Well, Penn State was not competitive, particularly with Ohio State. And Ole Miss certainly doesn't have the same defense. But that's the thing. Think, that's the whole thing, though. Well, but they, I'm not sure Penn, Penn State, State the has actually had very good offensive production in games against teams with leaky defenses. Okay. But I don't know that Ole Miss has like a terrible defense. I think they have a okay defense. Now, I think in general, the vibes out of Oxford the last month have been pretty spicy. And I do think that can show up in a bowl game where like there's so much excitement around them and trying to use this as a springboard and get some excitement in the offseason that you've You've already established yourselves as sort of the portal kings, and you can get a win here. I like Ole Miss outright in this ballgame. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss has definitely won the vibe check, right? Like, I mean, they got yeah. Walter Nolan to commit yesterday, yeah. who was one of the best defensive linemen in the entire transfer portal. They got I love the coordinator hires, for the record. Yeah, the coordinator. I mean, they, they seem like they're – like, we've talked about this on the last show. They're going all in. I don't know how much yeah. I think that means for the game. And Penn State, you know, had some pretty good offensive outputs. I know, say what you want about Michigan State. They scored 42 points. Uh, they scored 27 against Rutgers, 51 against Maryland, 33 against Indiana, 41 against Northwestern. They beat Iowa and scored 31 points, 31 to nothing. Like, they have scored in games. So, I think that their offense has been fractured, and they only scored 27 total points against Ohio State and Michigan. But it doesn't mean that they're completely and utterly incompetent as an Iowa, you know, yeah. outfit would be. So, they're not, you know, they're not do, that level. but I don't know that I love laying four and a half here, and I think I'm with you, but I don't like the notion that like you are, not you, just anybody listening, like is is a sucker for thinking that Penn State's offense is only capable of doing what it did against Ohio State and Michigan, which I think are two of the best defenses in college football this year. The, the best case for Penn State, Ari, and I, I don't know what to make of it, but they they soundly beat West Virginia. And it seemed at the time kind of underwhelming because I thought they were going to win that game by like 100. And West Virginia, I don't know if you recall, won nine games. Like, West Virginia is a good team. Now, maybe those teams look a lot different in December uh, or, excuse me, January than they did in September. But, like, that's – you look back at what Penn State has done this season. Like, that's a much more impressive win than we thought at the time. So, if Penn State wins, I think – you know, maybe that says a little bit about Ohio State, and it says that Penn State, we may have been sleeping on them this year, but I, I still like Ole Miss here. Okay, let's get to a few other games here because we're running low on time. Um, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, number two, Clemson, eight and four, laying four and a half points against Kentucky. The over under is 44 and a half. Clemson is coming into the game with their fewest number of total regular season wins since 2010. And again, I don't think that they made any portal moves or not any that I can remember or are consistent with what you would expect uh, a team needing to do. Um, Where's your take on on Clemson right now heading into the offseason? And what do you think of the game? This is kind of the underwhelming OC bowl, right? Kentucky brings in Liam Cohen. They bring in Devin Leary. Didn't go great this year. Um, I thought Kentucky could flirt with 10 wins. They didn't have an awful season, but they were not as dangerous as it seemed like they could be. Clemson, you know, not to sound like Tyler from Spartanburg, but this is not what they needed to be this year. The marriage between Garrett Riley and... I mean, both uh, teams have had really underwhelming seasons. Very much so. And I I don't think Liam Cohen was limited um, in any way. I have a lot of questions about what Garrett Riley was allowed or not allowed to do this year. Um, but... Ultimately, uh, you know, Clemson, at the end of the day, Ari, not to sound like Ari Wasserman here, 
We're talking about the t- the uh, uh, excuse me the nation's fifth best team in talent versus the nation's number thirty one team, and Kentucky. They've won two games in the last seven. They beat a bad Mississippi State team and then sort of inexplicably beat up on Louisville. Give me Clemson here. I'm fading Clemson in every regard right now. Um, <laughs> Why? I am disgusted by their seemingly lack of uh, <coughs> activity in the portal. Okay. That's probably not going to be that big of an issue in this game. I gotta tell you. No, no, I'm just saying like the morale and everything about like fixing it. It's just like not, it's just off. Yeah, if you're, if you're trying to yeah. look for reasons why Clemson's going to snap back into national title contender mode for next year. You can't find looking, any right now. You're going to be looking yeah. a while. I personally think that there might be some uh, invisible handcuffs on our buddy Garrett Riley, and I'd like to see those removed, but maybe I'm wrong. But I know well, that, that that offense did not look like what we saw at TCU last year. So. The next game I wanted to get to, and I don't know if we'll get to all of them because we're running out of time. We can do a speed round if we need it. Yeah, okay. Um, the Orange Bowl. Number five, Florida State. <laughs> Number five, Florida State. Um, Thirteen and zero. They are getting nineteen and a half points against Georgia, who is twelve and one. Lost the SEC game. Uh, Florida State is the first undefeated team since the nineteen ninety seven um, to not be in a BCS national championship or college football semifinal, um, and I think unbeaten P five team. I, I don't know if I said that, but I don't want you to go on a Boise rant. We we can't handle that right now. Um, <laughs> Nobody on Florida State's playing. Everybody opted out, and yeah. I don't blame them. Um, there's plus. I don't either. I'm disappointed, but I I don't blame them. I I really am disappointed as somebody who wanted to see them stick it to the committee, go for the split national championship. I, I would have liked to have seen that. What that is not what's what kind of person would you be? What do you mean? If you were oh, on Florida State's me? roster, if it were you, and somebody took something that you earned from you, how would you react to it? <clears throat> I I think you got. Here, here's what I here's what I think. If it's me, I want to do a players only meeting. Not all the guys, but like your ten core guys, and I want to hash it out. Guys, are we in or are we out? I don't want to do the half measure. Are we going for this? Or are we not going for this? Are we going to protect ourselves, protect our future, or are we going to try to seal our legacy here? And I don't know that that's what happened at Florida State. I'm sure there's some influence in some of their decisions, but. I don't know. That's the route that I would kind of go is like, we got to decide are we in or are we out? And it seems like they're out. I'll tell you what I would do if I were Keon Coleman or somebody else who's going to be taken in the draft, I would protect myself. If a system told me that the games I played didn't matter, then I wouldn't want to play another one. Um, And maybe that's just like me being stubborn, but I a hundred percent understand and like, listen to, you know, there's going to be no co-national champion. That that shit's over with. It, it, it's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, but you can you and, can you can lock in your legacy at the university. They're going to put up a banner if they win this game. That does matter, even if it's not real. That does matter. I mean, I guess I don't know. Um, <laughs> what already happened happened, and I don't think beating Georgia in a game that is not as an exhibition really proves much, especially considering the fact that everybody needs to be like, well, Georgia didn't care because they didn't make it to the playoff, whatever. But like AJ yeah. Duffy's out. Yeah. Um, Tate Rotomaker's out. Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, Jared Verse. Those are their five best players. Uh, yeah. They're down to their third string quarterback again that couldn't move the football. 
Uh, maybe with a month of prepare, you know, Brock Glenn will be a little bit more uh, prepared in order to take that down. But I just wanted to say that I don't blame Florida State for protecting themselves and yeah. worrying about I mean, the future. How many more, how many more examples get, you need to see? Jake Butt, Jalen Smith. I'm forgetting a couple. It happens. It's yeah. not a fake and then we're, we're not talking about dudes that are, I mean, we're talking like first round grade guys here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I feel bad for Florida State. It's a shame that it had to come to this, but. You know, the Georgia line has moved from like 13 and a half to 19 and a half. Nobody on Florida State's team is playing. And I don't know how much the people who are playing are even caring at this point. So um, it's unfortunate. And you hate to see some a team that really did everything it could on the field in order to accomplish something be left out. But like you said earlier in the show, as much as we both agree that Florida State got screwed, I also think that the result of it is better games on January 1 when the playoffs happen. And uh, I think both things can be true at the same time. So, okay. Let's go to the Fiesta Bowl. Oregon, 10-2, and two, playing Liberty, 13-0. If Liberty can cover, how big of a deal would this be heading into the 12-team playoff? Listen, in these games, the G5 has largely acquitted themselves very well. They've won a bunch of these games. I don't have the record offhand. It's been a bit of a busy week. But they've won a bunch of these games. They have rarely, if ever, gotten gotten embarrassed that's not something that's really happened a ton in these games because i do think the care meter really matters in these games. yes now i think that's true on the flip side this liberty team is probably one of the weakest g5 teams that we have seen in the new year six they're you know they don't have a ton of athletes caden salters had a really great year They've been really fun to watch. I think the over is a very interesting play here. Oregon's defense concerns me. Liberty, not great at stopping people. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think they can cover here. I would probably take them to cover. Oregon's defense would scare me. But, let's... Liberty is not, you know, the legitimacy of the G5 playoff bid. That's silliness to me. Like... How much more do we need to see over, you know, since the BCS era started, 1998, we have 25 years of data of teams showing up in major bowl situations and winning a bunch of games, competing in a bunch of games, and the only times, I mean, look, what have we? What, what are the times that they've gotten embarrassed? I guess, you know, everybody points to that Georgia-Hawaii game. That's the outlier. That's not the rule. And what uh memphis penn state 17 points does seem like a lot it is a lot um so you know memphis uh penn state didn't they didn't look great in that game but there have not been a lot of just like walkovers and people think it's gonna happen every time and then it doesn't happen and people are like oh wow every year it's like yeah the good g5 teams are really good like shocker it's hard to go 14 and 0 in any league it's not like now listen, Liberty has a bunch of advantages in their league that helped them, and they didn't play a premier non-con game. But like, it's still hard to go fourteen and zero. There's a reason why there's not eight. And they'll be able to score, I think. Yeah, I think so. Maybe not a ton, but you know, what's it going to take to cover twenty points? I think I can get that. Okay, this is the last one we're going to do, and then we'll get out of here. We got to do speed round. We'll do a quick speed round. Um, I don't even know what else I'm missing here. So. Uh, we got to talk. We can talk Citrus Bowl. Okay, go ahead. That's well, the last one I wanted to do. That's okay. the, uh, well, there you go. This is a big deal. This is a it lot is a of people deal. waiting for this. Um, the Citrus Bowl is on Monday, number 21, Tennessee, 8-4, and four, uh, laying 6.5. And, 
playing the impenetrable Iowa defense, 10 and three. Um, And this is important because of the quarterback scenario for Tennessee. It is Nico Iamayla. No, Iamayava. There you go. Nico Nico Iamayava. I think that was right. Yes. We'll Grace get there. gave me the phonetic spelling, the phonetic spelling of it on Stars Matter, <laughs> yes. um, and I still can't get it. Nico is starting, five star quarterback, professional bag getter, um, yeah. incredible arm talent. Um, yeah. This is much watched television as long as it's not happening um, during a playoff game, and yeah. I think that it's before. Um, if I recall. Okay, hopefully it is. Um, There's like three games at that noon slot on New Year's Day. I think they're in one of them. I, Nico this, is, this went from like a snoozer. Leava no, has a Iowa game. I just read it phonetically from Andrew yeah, Cooper. But Andrew Leava. Okay, that's all right. We'll give it Iowa that. game has an over under of thirty five and a half. With this, this was a game like Tennessee. God love them. They've been really boring all year. <laughs> like they haven't they have really been. had any. They haven't had a ton of big wins. Well, haven't had any big wins. They got beat lopsidedly in some games that they probably shouldn't have, but they didn't really lose any ugly, ugly games. Like you can point to Florida, but they never played Florida. Well, Tennessee just had a really uninteresting season. And this is like the most interesting game that they've played because he might be the next big star in the sport. And if that's the case, we're going to see Tennessee knocking on the door of the playoff in a couple of years, uh, the next couple of years. I'm really intrigued. I think it's tough because you have obviously an Iowa defense that is the nation's best statistically. It's not going to take a ton of points to score in this game, but if you recall, now listen, he's a lot better than Destin Wade. So I'm not saying that from what we saw from Kentucky in the Music City Bowl last year or something like that. So I'm not saying that. But this is a tough assignment for the first start for a guy that hadn't played really a lot of meaningful snaps. But I'm really interested to see how this goes. And I think Joe Milton's a very intriguing guy. If it's addition by subtraction, I'm not going to be floored. A lot of people around here, around Tennessee, have been knocking on the door that, hey, Joe is just not that dude. He's not made the leap that you want him to make. The leap you've, made, you've wanted him to make. He has not improved a ton throughout his career. And there is some opportunity to see what you got in Nico. But this is a very loyal staff. And they weren't going to do that. And now with Joe opting out, you have an opportunity to kind of see what you got here. Well, what are realistic really expectations for you on how he plays? Like, do you think it'll I mean, be like it's possible that it'll become apparent that he's a star in the making? Like, we maybe, knew the second that Caleb possible. Williams came onto the field, and it, maybe that's not a fair comparison. But like, I am of the mind that you don't need six months of film to to see it in a guy. You'll see it very quickly if they are that dude. Yes. Um. And well, I wonder I, if we're going to get a glimpse of that. I don't know. Like, this goes back to what we've been talking about all season long with these Big Ten defenses. Like, how much of it is the Big Ten West just being absolute garbage offensively? I think it's somewhere in the middle, like everything in life. Uh, somewhat. And I think we'll know. Like, there's nobody running this kind of offense. And and and, and Tennessee's had a But have a you been hearing, is he weapons. a star? Like, have you been hearing in Knoxville that people things. are like... You hear mixed things. Um, okay. You know, it's not like universal, like, oh, my gosh. But it's not like, oh, we got some concerns about this guy. Like, you know, you hear mixed things. He's still really young. And I, I, I just schematically, I'm very intrigued to see how they match up with Iowa. 
I think they're going to stretch the field some more. I think he's going to hit some balls that like really sort of raise some eyebrows. He might make some mistakes. Um, but I think the the one thing that you like when you hear about Nico, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Like he's going to do the work. He was a really big name coming into Tennessee and he has shut up. He's kept his head down. He's worked. Um, and you hear a lot of good things about him off the field this season. And he needed to kind of stay out of the, the you know, just learn, spend your first year on campus. And now you're going to kind of see the fruits of those labor. So it went from being a game that I did not particularly want to engage in because Iowa was involved and Tennessee has been really uninteresting to now it's halfway must see TV. I'm very intrigued. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. Well, one last thing before we get out of here, I don't know if our producer Camelina can do this for us. But Cam, I sent you two different pictures of the toaster oven. I've seen uh, or the I, toaster I'm at so the pop tart excited. bowl. Look so at that I don't know. So the edible pop tart, I think, pops up <laughs> out of this at the end of the game. I think nobody told me there was going to be a big toaster. The, listen, I love this so much. More bowls, more bowl games. I love this giant toaster. If you told me it, I was already hyped for the giant pop tart. If you told me it was going to be jumping out of a giant toaster. I might be there right now. Is this a fire driven. hazard? <laughs> I don't even know. I think uh, we'll find out. I think we'll find out. out. Okay. Well, you guys can go we do, watch the Pop Tart Bowl. Can we do a speed round, Ari? Let's go through these. Who games am I forgetting, Dave? I don't even know who I'm forgetting. Uh, the uh, LSU Wisconsin. Which bowl game? Okay. The, the uh, ReliaQuest uh, Bowl. ReliaQuest. Sure. Why not? Give me LSU there in the points uh, or laying the points. Athletes, baby. Athletes. And Wisconsin's kind of a mess. What do you like there? Braylon Edwards and Badgers starting center. Braylon Allen. Tanner. Braylon Edwards. Say? Is Braylon, you said Braylon Edwards. Who is I'm having a rough a day, long guys. retired receiver. Yes. Very good one. Also top Very five good. pick. Uh, Braylon Allen and Badger starting center. Tanner Bortol- Bortoloni are not playing. Um, I know that you have to go out with a bang with LSU covering the spread of the ReliQuest Bowl just to save some face. After think, I mean, the ReliQuest Bowl is how far away from the playoff I have areas? no idea geographically. what the I don't know what city it's in. I don't know. But the, um, uh, listen, I'm, this is a pro Garrett Nussmeyer podcast uh, coming out party. Yeah. Him. Yeah. He, he, I've heard really good things about him. And let's go to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, Oregon State uh, plus six and a half against Notre Dame. Sam Hartman yeah. is opted out, and DJU and is in Giles. the portal. He's out. Yeah. Going to, going to um, Michigan State. So I'll watch this game out of principle. That's probably about it. Low scoring. I like the under here. I guess I'll take Notre Dame in the points. It feels like Oregon State. I don't like the vibes coming out of there. Staring there down could the be like give up vibes here when you lose your yeah. coach. And yeah, yeah. And um, you're sort of looking in the future and it's like, well, next year is going to kind of suck because all the teams we like playing, like we're going to go play a Mountain West schedule. I don't love it. I'm sorry, Oregon State. It's, yeah. It's not going to be bad. So the so okay, the ReliQuest Bowl is the is the zombie outback bowl is that is that where we're I, at? I think that's what that is yes sure okay wait no wasn't <laughs> the Pop Tart Bowl the zombie outback bowl all the moving like the like Buffalo Wild Wings was like one bowl and it switched bowls outback was Orlando and Pop Tart is in Orlando so I guess and honestly the blooming onion is the best mascot of all time right it's a great mascot I mean if we can get. I mean, yeah, it's a, that's probably a, that's probably the best bowl mascot. Honestly. Although the orange is probably more iconic, yeah, the giant orange. But the uh, and it's had some unbelievable moments with the West Virginia game, the Mark Mangino photo. The, I love the orange bowl mascot, but uh, I think in general the blue and onion is better as a novelty. So 
All right, guys. Well, I'm why don't you go watch the big Pop-Tart Bowl? Uh, thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Be sure you're subscribed to the Until Saturday podcast feed so that you're notified when we put out new episodes. We will be back on Sunday for a special Last Thoughts edition of the Until Saturday feed um, where Dave, me, Max, and Sam will join the podcast. Um, and all three of those guys will be in Louisiana. I'll be in my living room. And Possibly we will impart some of our – Yeah, we will impart <laughs> some final thoughts and share some last-minute nuggets ahead of Monday night's semifinal games. Be sure to call the Until Saturday tip line to get your voicemail played. If we said something in the preview show today that enraged you, I'd love to hear about it. The phone number is 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to both the YouTube channel and the podcast stream. Subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. The links for all those things can be found in your show's description. For me, uh, David Ubbin, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you on Sunday. Bring back the trash. I gotta go get some videos.